I'm Roberta. And I'm Libby. And, and we're on Art Blog Radio this morning. This morning we're talking with Daniel Traub. He's a photographer based in Philadelphia, but also in Shanghai, China. He's showing work at the Print Center. He's got photographs in the Print Center of North Philadelphia, and they show the spaces where a row house used to stand and nature has taken over. The images are sometimes romantic and Eden-like and sometimes forlorn and trash-strewn and neglected. Daniel, who was born in 1971, has had photographs in a number of widely read publications from the New York Times Magazine to the London Telegraph Magazine. He's been the director of photography for numerous documentaries. In a sense, Daniel is part of an urban activist dynasty. He's the son of artist activist Lily Yeh, founder of the internationally acclaimed Village of Arts and Humanities, and architect and preservationist Daniel Traub. David Traub. David Traub, David Traub I'm sorry. <laughs> so you come from people who are very um, civic-minded and involved in the city, and I'm wondering um, how that was for you and how it's affected you growing up. I think both of my parents were a big influence on me. Uh, probably my mother most directly in the sense of what, what the, the types of places that I photograph, particularly places kind of on the margins of mainstream society in, in uh, inner city neighborhoods, um, in, in disrepair, difficult neighborhoods. Could you explain for people who might not know what the Village of Arts and Humanities looks like? Well, it's, it's a place in North Philadelphia. That it, originally, it was an art center, I think run by Arthur Hall, kind of an activist and artist, da dancer. There's a couple of vacant lots adjoining their space, and, my, and he invited my mother to come and transform these vacant lots into sculpture gardens. And uh, it slowly became an institution where she would um, build, build um, mosaic tiles and murals. I used to go there and, and kind of help, help the kids and play and <laughs> just had a, had a good time. And, and is your interest in um, this, these margins is it more about the people or the cityscape or what is I think, it? I think um, I think for me it, it's more to do with the the look of these places. I think I'm drawn to uh, a little bit of the sense of chaos, just the visual chaos and the, the sense of decay and collapse. Maybe the visual language that, that I find there allows me to kind of find my, myself there, like just the sense of chaos I can kind of look at specific places and find something that's very personal to me, whereas in places that are more established, I find myself kind of alienated. Like, I don't really know how to find what I'm looking for exactly. You know, for instance, when I came back from China and I saw just the degree that the inner city is kind of separate from, from mainstream center city, I was kind of shocked by that. I, I mean, it's something I grew up with, but after being away for so long, it was quite startling to see. Is there something similar in China? Things aren't that way divided? They are, like yeah, very much so. And I was looking at the outskirts of Beijing and Shanghai. Those areas are also kind of um, very extreme contrasts. For instance, the, the richest and the poorest people live in those, those, those areas on the outskirts. Gated communities next to shanty towns and the major, the major issues that China's facing, such as the income disparity, the degradation of the environment, you see them most clearly on the outskirts. Part of the reason I wanted to come back to the States is, is to see if, by looking at similar regions in America, you also found kind of insights into the broader society. And do you think there are? 
Well, it's it's kind of a completely different set of dynamics. I mean, China is is growing so so fast, whereas America, I guess, arguably, you could say it's in decay. Inner city neighborhoods in in uh, cities like Philadelphia have been there been that way since the fifties, since the, the kind of industry left. I mean, in China, it, I was photographing the um, coming together of the urban and rural areas, the, the kind of the the collision of these two kind of completely diametrically opposed types of environments. These areas were incredibly dynamic, changing all the time. Um, one day you'd get this uh, new development that was going up very quickly, and then right next to it you'd have these shanty towns, and they, they just seemed so different. I mean, it's very alien in a way. Whereas in Philadelphia, it just seems that, um, you know, it's been de- decaying like that for decades, so very different issues. Can, do you see yourself as um, some kind of an activist? Do you do you think that the work that you do might have some kind of an outcome, or do you just see it as documenting? How do you I see don't, it? I, I guess I don't really see myself as an activist, which which is different from my my parents in a way. I mean, I'm more just interested in observing these things, and it it's really more for personal reasons uh, that I that I do it. I think I. In a way, looking at these places and the process of photographing, it gives me a a way to understand myself more than anything. Finding images in the world, it's it's almost like this existential uh, process to sound a little bit pretentious. But uh, <laughs> um, when I see something in the world that kind of resonates with me, it kind of affirms things within me. When I see something that... Um, kind of clicks, then I sort of know that I'm on to something. So can you talk about your process a little bit? Right. When you have this intuitive moment that you find something, you want to take a photo, do you wait till there are no people around and then you take a photo? Or do you like people looking over your shoulder? Or how do you interact? Um, I, I usually have like a, a grain of an idea in my head that I that sort of sits there for a while. And then I, I let it either go away or if, it, if it's something serious, then it, it kind of grows or it just stays with me. Um, for instance, the, the vacant lots was, was something like that. Um, I, I moved back to, to Philadelphia, partly to, to work in North Philadelphia. So I come back and um, see if it, it works as a, photographically. I work with a, a four by five camera, a large format camera. I just wander around driving usually with a car at first, really, kind of aimlessly, I, I shoot anything that catches my eye. With a digital camera, or no, with the four by five. Usually, I just wow. I kind of shoot fairly broadly, mm-hmm. and then there might be out of fifty pictures, maybe one picture that starts to work or starts to go in a direction that that might might lead to something. Um, for instance, I, I was also shooting portraits and um, uh, different aspects of the of the uh, environment in North Philadelphia. Talk about the portraits a little bit. Are they street portraits? Yeah. Um, I hadn't really intended to make portraits, but people, when I was photographing something in the landscape, I, I would just be working and then people would come up to me. You know, would be interested. I guess they were curious about the 4x5 because it's just, you know, you don't really see it used so much these days. Can and, you describe uh, it, what it would the look like? The 4x5 is, the, is a 19th century technology. It's, it has the, uh, the bellows camera, the bellows lens in the front, and you wear the hood, so you look like uh, you know, Matthew Brady out in the streets. <laughs> <laughs>
it gives you a different uh, people give give you a different kind of respect because I think if you're with a digital camera kind of darting about, they there's more the sense of stealing something or you know kind of like sneaking around. Whereas <laughs> the four by five, you're really you're really putting yourself out there. You're you're somewhat vulnerable too because you're underneath the hood for a little while. And I guess people maybe respect you for taking the time to to photograph in that way. So people would come up to me and I would. Talk, talk to them for a while, and, and they would ask me to photograph them. So, and I would, and and uh, and a lot of those pictures turned out pretty well, I think. So, when you moved to China, did you think you were going to live there forever? No, I mean, I thought I would live there for maybe three years or four years, but um, I think I got once I got there, I just you know, kind of dug in and set up my life there, and had a lot of friends and a girlfriend and projects and I, I just it was hard to leave after so what made you leave I guess it was it was the fact that I didn't think I wanted to stay there forever and I felt that if I didn't leave soon then I it would be hard to leave <laughs> it would be harder to leave yeah I mean I still go back pretty often and uh, I miss it quite a bit so are you an American citizen and you can be there for nine years on some sort of well, green I, card I'm, a, I'm an American citizen but um, I, I don't, you, you can't have dual citizenship or anything like that, but I had a journalist visa for most of my time there because I was working as a journalist. Well, what are you photographing right now? What's on your mind? Um, well, I have two projects that I'm kind of thinking about. Um, one is a, I, I've been looking at City Hall in Philadelphia. I, I've just started one project. I'm, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. I don't want to say too much about it because I it might it might kind of collapse. <laughs> <laughs> do but, projects uh, do that for you? Yeah, I do. You know, sometimes it doesn't doesn't quite work out. But uh, you know, I, I feel like I have to try them if I get an idea. Another project that I've been kind of thinking about and also playing kind of started a little bit a while ago is um, I'm interested in what China is doing in developing countries, kind of how China is actually affecting the landscape of certain places, particularly Africa and um, Southeast Asia, with the investment and the infrastructure building that they're doing. Mm. I've been thinking about kind of finding a place to look at how China is impacting the landscape. I mean, one, I guess one thing I'm interested in is, is are certain countries going to start to look like China? Like, the, are the landscapes of, of, like Angola, for instance, going to start to look like the, the middle of China? <laughs> like shanty towns next to gated communities. Yeah, a that bit. Kind but of also, thing? Like, the like a, lot, a lot of the, the airports, the, um, the ocean ports, hotels, uh, roads are all being done by Chinese companies. So there's, there's, they're building, they're bringing a certain aesthetic to these countries. I mean, in a way, it's, it's kind of like a, a non-aesthetic. It's a little bit like what America, post-World War II, how, how America kind of inf influenced the world, I think, uh, with a car culture and popular culture. I think that's starting, maybe starting to happen with uh, the developing world, with China. What made you cognizant of this? I, I did some work in Africa a couple, like maybe five years ago. I was shooting some documentaries, and I, I just started to see Chinese everywhere. I and mean, there's so many... Um, Chinese construction companies. I, mean, I think there's like 100,000 Chinese people living in Africa now. And um, so I was just struck by it. I thought it was pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a new, you know, some people say it's kind of like a new colonial period for China. Um, it's the first time that they're kind of looking outside of their own borders for resources and for investment. 
So it all is about you know the growing power and influence influence of China. So how do you bankroll this That's life of international oh. <laughs> travel? And <laughs> uh, I find it's a bit like surfing on different projects. Like I, I, I do a bit of magazine work, or, or and documentary film work. So usually when I, um, when I'm sent to do a project in Africa or China, I, I'll go do that for a period of time and and you know get some expenses paid, and then I'll spend another week or two doing my own work. So, um, is do you consider some of your photography more reportage than art photography? Well, I, I've done magazine work and more photojournalism, uh, particularly when I was in China. I, I think I, I bring the same sensibility to it or similar sensibility, but I use a, a digital camera sometimes, so that changes just the the look of the work. But a lot of times the subjects are similar. I mean, I've worked in in. Uh, a lot of times in areas like in Africa and in uh, in China that are also kind of on the margins of society. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work about migrant workers uh, that interest who interest me a lot, um, like trash collectors and people who do recycling in China. And this is your fine art work? Uh, no, kind of more reportage. And uh, so there, there's a lot of overlap as well. Well, we've been talking with Daniel Traub. And thank you so much, Daniel, for speaking with us this morning. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation and Fleischer Art Memorial. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And Eric Biondo, who provided the music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.